I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 40. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is The Bamboos. The funk and soul band from Melbourne, Victoria are releasing their 10th studio record tomorrow, entitled Hard Up. In today's episode, we're talking with Lance and Carly from the band about the new record, performing with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and what songs resonate with them the most. Here we go. Our guests today are two of the nine members from the Bamboos. The funk and soul band are celebrating their 21st birthday as a group this year and are releasing a new studio record to celebrate. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from the Bamboos, Lance Ferguson and Carly Aldist. Good morning to both of you. How are you doing? Thanks. Thanks for having us along. Of course. Thank you very much, uh, both of you, for your time. Um, congratulations on Hard Up. It is the new record which is out tomorrow. It is the 10th studio record from the band. And it was recorded just before, to my understanding, most of it just before lockdown. What has it been like kind of having and sitting and growing with these songs for the last 12 months or so? Well, yeah, as you say, we recorded this album at the end of 2019, which seems like even a longer time ago than it is after everything every the whole world has been through. So we had, you know, in my box-ticking list-oriented mind, I, I was like, I want this record to be not only finished but mastered before Christmas of the, of the 2019 year, even though no one's going to do anything with it label-wise or whatever till, you know, probably February, March into 2020. I just want to know it's done. So, so we finished the record, mastered it, and then sat with it for a little bit and then obviously the shit hit the fan. One of the first things that happened was the label said, excuse my French, uh, was that the record's coming out at least six months later than it was, which I think was going to be around March or April 2020. So then, you know, we had the luxury of sitting with a record for months and months. Usually it's a race to the finish line and you're like mastering it and it gets sent off to the manufacturing or to the label the next day and all that stuff. This time we were sitting around with this record for, you know, six months or whatever. And so I was just sitting around listening to it and I, and I had time to reflect. Um, and I was like, there's two or three songs here that I feel like maybe aren't as strong as the rest. And given that we've got this luxury of time, uh, we're in our home studios. We can do some stuff. We we swapped out 
we um, we changed up three of the songs. We tinkered with the album. We 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 meddled with the album. Um, dare I say? But but you know, this is not a case of, and it is um, made with you um, today. We may the force be with you. It's not a case of the George Lucas special editions of Star Wars. We're just about, we're just trying to make the best album possible. And given this time we had to reflect on it, I thought let's just make make it as strong as possible. At the same time, I didn't really want to step on Kylie's toes. So you'll, what these three tracks are are the tracks featuring male guest vocalists. So I think it, it creates a, a nice shape overall. Um, what do you, I, I'm not sure what you would, speak to that Kylie because you kind of I guess you weren't sitting there in the same way as me but you know we 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 made a great record in 2019 and then I just thought it could be even better well it was like an open playing field then wasn't it you could just add I'm surprised that it's not 20 songs long (laughs) (laughs) because you know I mean, Lance is an absolute uh, perfectionist, but he's also, he's prolific. So, yeah, and, like, sometimes we'll be, uh, like, and then I think we did a rehearsal of one of the songs to, to sing, to play it, and I was like, don't you remember it goes like this? You wrote it. You wrote this. He goes, yeah, like, I write stuff, you know, all day, every day, and then I can't remember it anymore because it's <laughs> new, but it's not really, you know, it's written so long ago. Lance has probably done about 15 albums since then. <laughs> so like, just to be able to get all these new things together was great, I think, for him. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, when you usually do finish up with a with a bamboo's record, how long would you usually um, sit with it when it is finished? Like, obviously, COVID might, might have um, given a little bit more of a luxury to sit with it. But would you usually kind of keep it to yourself for a little bit and and be able to give it some time and reflect on the songs, or is it usually like we're done, we mix, we master, it's with the label, and it's out of our hands? Well, I think sometimes, well, I would say most of the time the, the record is finished from our side and given to the label and then there have been a few cases where it's sat with the label for long lengths of time and which can be frustrating because you, you just want it to come out. But generally we give it away, give it up, it escapes over the fence to the label and then it's too late to do anything with it. You might, I mean, at, at best you could add and maybe add a song if you're lucky, but usually by that time they, you know, it's already going to manufacture and albums have gone to manufacture and then just have sat there for months before because the release date gets moved and whatever. So usually, yeah, we, 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 it's a race to the finish and then we give it over to the label and then they might sit with it for a while, but we can't really, we're, it's shut off to us at that point. So this was, was a, a real difference in that way. The recording process for the, the record was slightly different as well because I believe that you guys used, uh, you went outside of the studio and, and did a bit of a, uh, a country house record, if you will, where you're, all kind of living together and recording together. What was that, firstly, what was that experience like compared to, to what it usually is like in the studio? It was awesome. I loved it. It was great. You know, because, like, uh, we've toured together and we've hung out together in, you know, strange places for years, so it wasn't really a big stretch. Um, and, you know, I just sort of thought maybe I'd be a princess and I'd have a tantrum and I wouldn't be able to cope, but everybody was so lovely and we all just got on so well. It was it was just the best. It was just like being with your family. 
um, except, you know, with your family can bring out the worst in you. <laughs> so it was a little bit more like, you know, you're at work, so you're going to try and be a bit nicer than you would be with your family. <laughs> so, but it was so, it was so magical. It was, it was just fantastic. And the music just, um, the boys, like there was nowhere to relax kind of thing because they made every single space of the house into a recording studio. So every single part of the house had wires running through it. Even my bedroom had the guitar amp in there. So there was nowhere during the day that you could relax. It wasn't a house for relaxing. It was a studio. So the, we were all sort of brought our own deck chairs and um, I had a, I found a single mattress and brought that and just we hung out in the garden. And, um, yeah, I just put my chair in the corner of the garden and just wrote lyrics. It was fantastic. And I could hear the boys playing. They got up. They were very good boys. They got up every day and they started at 10.30 and they finished at night time and then I would do my singing after they'd put, done their stuff. But it was like they were, they all worked very hard and it was, but it was just a really lovely vibe. And then we, we found different sports to play, you know, how you have beers and you take the tops off and then we played some sort of soccer game with the lids and, you know, how you just, when you're in the middle of nowhere and the, you don't have TV and you don't have all the normal things, you just make up games. It was just beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, I would. I would say it was. I, I mean, I would say I only want to record albums in that way. From that should be just our ongoing place <laughs> to go to. It was. It was great. You know, usually we're under the pump in the studio. The the rhythm section come in for a couple of days. The horns do their thing, and it's you know a bit of a stress. You're watching the clock. And we never lost time. Yeah, this time you had a group of people in a space with this one goal to achieve, and you know that, that the camaraderie of that is so great. And I think one of the other differences was usually we would record, as I was saying, all the songs in a big chunk over a few days, and then the horns come in, then percussion comes in. This time we approached it at song by song, which is it seemed like a a revelation to me. So we kind of threw everything we could till we were exhausted, till we couldn't think of anything else to one song. And then Kylie would come in and sing, sing her vocals on the top of that. And then sometimes we would strip some things away, but then, but then we would move on to another song from the ground up. And that was just a really refreshing way to do it for us, a very different MO. And I think the record sounds all the better for it. What was the original catalyst to take it to a country house? What was the thought of let's yeah, change up our, our previous recording ways, if you will? We talked about this for years, like maybe even over a decade. We'd, we'd talked about it and then when it came down to actually doing a record, it was just too hard or some people, some people couldn't make it or blah, blah, blah. This time we we planned well ahead, made sure everyone could come. Most people were there for the whole time. A couple of people had to come and go, but it was only an hour. It's only an hour out of Melbourne, so it's it's fine. People could kind of come and go a little bit. Was that a place called Mansfield? Of course. <laughs> pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. You know, you read these books. Oh, you read Keith Richards' biography. I don't know if you've read that. And they, you know, the Stones went off to that car. I mean, Castle and. <laughs> Did uh, did those records and people do it and you know Elton John went down to to Jamaica and you read these things and you know they're operating on budgets about a, two million times bigger than ours of course but it's just the idea of getting out of the city and and I think being away from the 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 rat race of that and going we're just here only to make a record we're going to have a good time while we do it but we're here just to do this no distractions 
other than those we create ourselves. And it's, yeah, as Kylie said, it was a blast. And also because I felt like at one point I said, um, the boys said, oh, we don't, we don't need you today. So I sent a message to my family. And I said, oh, should I come home and do some cooking and cleaning? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do then? I said, Yuri, what will I do? And he goes, get your, get your paper and your pencil and go and sit under that tree over there. I'm like, oh, how exciting. <laughs> Just to be allowed to think about music only was so, so freeing. It was beautiful. I imagine it would be quite um as you said, just being able to take yourself out, t- sorry, take yourself out of that normal space and have kind of the music and the recording part of it Im- like it immersed so much in your daily life for that time that it um mm. yeah, it would be quite a magical kind of experience. Bless. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm curious when you are getting together to write a new album for the band. It isn't a, it's obviously it's, it's not a duo. It's not a trio. There are nine members of the band. When you do have a, a new song idea, how is that usually fleshed out or where does that uh, begin in terms of melody or lyrics or is it, is it different every time? I think usually it starts with me going that a new album is 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 happening we have to do it and so i'll sit down for a, a period of weeks or maybe it's a couple of months even and i'll come up with a bunch of really kind of grooves and sketches of songs or just two sections of a song um that feel good or have something to them and then i will make a short list of the ones i think have something and then i will present them to kylie and it's it's like uh, it's sort of like the equivalent of the voice, where she will turn her chair if the song is strikes her. And I will offer them humbly to her, and then we will come to a short list of songs, and then we will we will then come together and work on those songs, fleshing them out with sections, coming up with the melody and the lyrics. So we did that for sure. But this time we also had a, a couple of sessions few sessions where, where the whole band came together and we did um you know collaborate as a as a group of, i think we had up to up to about seven people in the room which can get kind of it can get intense because there's so many brains with so much input but it can work as well and i really loved i loved doing that and i love bringing everyone in because the musicians in the bamboos are so you know, so highly skilled and, and creative and, and knowledgeable in their own way. I love to get their input. So there's about two or three songs on the record that came from these larger group sessions as well. And, you know, I just think that the collaborative, um, well, being, it, it being more collaborative in that sense, even from the writing up, it gives the album, a, it's much more cohesive and, and I think feels better for it. These things may not necessarily be tangible to the listener, but from the inside, I think it just it's, it's, it feels good to us to do that. Kylie, how many times uh, will you not turn your chair or turn <laughs> your chair? Well, yes, quite a few. He <laughs> has so many ideas. It's like um, I guess I, and it has to speak to me. And I know it sounds like a weird hippie thing to say, but, if it does, you know, there's, there's some certain songs that just go, I just go, and Lance and I, it's, that's the fun thing about writing with Lance is that we just have a funny time and we just tell the truth and we just go, oh, that's disgusting. I hate that. <laughs> you know, or I'll write a lyric and go, you can't say that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just like, 
Yeah, it's good fun. And please, we just feel like I can just be honest and go, no, nah, I, I don't feel it. No, nah, I don't feel it. No, nah, I don't feel it. So, but, you know, he's so obviously so prolific that it, there's obviously going to be something that I will very soon after that. And he knows how, he obviously knows what I like. So he's, uh, yeah, he's on the inside track there. <laughs> uh, the band is also celebrating um so we've got the the 10th studio record out this week but also uh 21 years as as a band a 21st birthday which is quite a big deal um i feel like for a lot of australian acts as well but lance i know you originally started the band back in um 2000 do you remember uh what the original idea for the band was at that time well, the original, I guess, inception of the band was Henry Mars, who who was a great um, musician and just sort of uh, a great presence in the Melbourne music scene. He, he had a, a band called Bachelors from Prague that did a lot of amazing stuff and he, he really um, is one of the original bohemians of of the Melbourne scene, he, he started a venue, he had the Black Cat, but then he had a venue called the Night Cat, which is still going, but it was his vision and, and a beautiful venue in many respects, musically, just the look of it, it was just a great place. And so he would book bands uh, to initially to play a whole month, the residency was a whole month and you'd play four nights a week for a month. Um, he approached me and said, can you put a band together? He'd seen me play as a side person in a lot of bands and he said, can you put a band together for, I think it was for Friday or Saturday nights. And so my idea was to make a, basically a meters band, the meters being the, the great, um, New Orleans funk, uh, funk band, one of my favorite bands of all time, a four piece band. So I, I wanted it to be the same lineup. So organ, bass, drums, guitar, and we would play three sets and our job essentially was to to make people dance because people went to the nightcap to to dance you know it was that thing so a four piece band with that um with that in mind and we would play three sets and and we did that for quite a while we started in the year 2000 and we'd do a few seasons of that and then from there it it came into the idea of recording a a record of 45 and and on from there but yeah the genesis of the band was at the nightcat and the nightcat though henry mars is not connected with it now it's still going it's still um i believe you just played there the other night didn't you Carly? uh no you, I, i've got it i've got it i'm launching i'm launching it on june june 23rd so um and the band plays in the middle of the which is a nice thing, you know, like that's always been a great thing that the, the crowd moves yeah. around the band, you know, like it's kind of weird, but yeah, it's, it really works, doesn't it? Was the original intention, I know you just said that there was uh, like the lineup was originally meant to be a four piece. At what point did you kind of start adding more and more members and uh, was it always like, Oh, we could do with this or we could do with that. Or has there ever been a point where you thought that it would, uh, go over nine and continue to, to grow? Well, you know, if I had my way, and I'm pretty sure Kylie would be on board with this, I'd love to have like a three-piece backing vocal section as well. And Hello. like we could... It would be awesome. But um, we're already a nine-piece, nine people on stage is already beyond what is re really realistic for touring and stuff, but we still do it because it just doesn't sound the same. It just doesn't feel the same. But, yeah, going back to your question, the, the next phase was we added a two, 
person horn section to the band to fill that to fill it out and just some of the songs we're doing really were crying out for horns and um and then the the next well the next phase was when kylie joined which was in 2006 a couple of years down the track kylie when you joined do you remember um I guess, do you remember before you joined, sorry, your first impressions of the band, of the bamboos and, and what you kind of thought at the time? No, I didn't. I hadn't seen them because um, I had 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 kids and moved to the suburbs. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so um, I just, but when I first saw them, I couldn't believe it. That it was like I knew, I knew all the boys and I knew that they were doing this stuff and I'd heard about it and I was thinking, well, why haven't they asked me to sing with them? And then I went and saw them. I went, well, when, I, when they asked me and I went to sing at Meredith and I couldn't believe how funky they were and how cool it was. I was like, wow, who, who likes instrumental bands? <laughs> I was like, this is amazing and it was so funky. Yeah, so I thought they were very good. Lance, for you, what stood out about Kylie at that time to become the, the full-time singer of the band? Well, Kylie had, or uh, Kylie was already somewhat of a, a local superstar in her own right, even at that point or well beyond that point. I mean, I first saw Kylie, I think it would have been, I'm going to say it was 1994, I reckon, at Lounge with oh, yeah, Curtis Lake. Is that, is that right? I was, I was, not, I was, I was nine months pregnant uh, I think or like that point I stayed at the lounge I was wearing the, the butterfly dress I think and I was pregnant with Reggie who came out in 94 and he was I was like I looked like a tequila sunset basically <laughs> this huge big dress on. and I was like skinny but I had this huge stomach and I was like yeah um and that, I remember sitting on a stool actually just I didn't think you were pregnant I think it must have been even before maybe like 93 or something it was no, it might have been before. I, might, I, I was um, I sang there as well. I mean, that whole year, I was pregnant for a long time. It seemed like he was overdue. <laughs> but um, um, I also did Curtis Late gigs there for the most of the year. I think, yeah, yeah. It was I was around that time, and, I, yeah. and the and the, that band were they was kind of Curtis Late were a really influential and seminal band of of that Melbourne. Well, I guess it was. I guess it was centred around the Fitzroy scene, but you know there was a there was a little kind of pressure cooker of bands playing at that time, and Curtis Late were pretty much the the the, the main band of that scene that were really a lot of people were coming to see. And so I was aware of Kylie just from seeing that band and hanging around the Rochester Castle and those sort of places, the Evelyn and those sort of places. And the the vibe at that point was that Kylie was already a, a superstar. So. So, and then a little bit later in the kind of later 90s, I got the, had the good fortune to be in a band with Kylie, which was a band called Polyester, um, which was kind of coming out of that, um, more of that UK acid jazz sound, I guess, at the time, coming, going into a little bit of house music. Uh, it was led by a guy named Sam, Simon Gray. So I was a part of that band. And then so I got to actually really get to know Kylie pro- properly and be in a band with her and, and so forth. And then... So, I guess it was like a couple of years between that and when I and when the bamboo started. But then Kylie joined in two thousand and six. There were a couple of other singers who came on before that, but they just didn't really work out. And then um, I I can't actually, to be honest, I can't remember the moment when I was like, "Hang on, what?" Kylie, Kylie Aldis. But at some point, um, I realised that the the greatest singer and the missing jigsaw puzzle piece was was there in plain sight uh and 
Kylie came in and just absolutely uh, tore the roof off the Meredith Music Festival during our 4am slot, which is a, a fortuitous slot because pretty much any band is going to sound good to the audience. But I think given that Kylie just came in and did her thing with such power and, and beauty and conviction, people were just like, that That was totally wild. And from then on in it was, yeah, Kylie's been a fixture. <laughs> For for both of you in um, uh, twenty one year history, you have had great success in Australia. Uh, you found it success in the UK and in the US as well. Do either, and I imagine both do. But is there like a, one or two memories or milestones that kind of stand out the most to you about being in the band? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, well, for me, getting to go overseas and go on tour, like I'd never been to England. I'd never been to Europe. I'd never been to any of those places. And and to go there, and as my brother said, you know, and, um, you could be in the in the worst or scummiest of places or whatever, but um, and you know, and any sort of uh, any sort of band room all all around the world. But the best place to be at the end of the night is in the band, um, and everybody <laughs> wants to talk to you after the show. So we just partied our way around Europe. It was fabulous. I loved it so much. I got to do what I loved, and I got to hang out with people. I got to meet all these people, and I got to learn how to say beer, please" in so many languages. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I would say I mean, one of my greatest dreams of all in in music was to be able to tour the world. I was always like if I could tour the world playing some of our own songs, music we've written, um, that would be like living the dream. And, and you know, look, we haven't been, well, the Bamboos proper haven't been back to Europe or UK for some years now. Kylie's had a couple of a couple of trips. But we look, all going well, we will get to hopefully do that in twenty. 22 I think is the plan now but yeah it was it would there were just several moments on those three tours we did where it was like you you know we were playing small venues we were we were in little tiny vans it was definitely no frills bare bones grassroots style touring but yet we were still it felt like we were living the dream and I, I remember those those things the tours very very fondly that's very cool uh speaking of touring, I know that there was recently, um, I'm just trying to remember when, I think it was March, 
we played some special shows to celebrate the anniversary uh, with the MSO, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Uh, what were those shows like? Because as you said before, I can imagine nine people on stage is always, there's always a lot going on. When you add an orchestra behind that, I imagine it's a whole nother level. It was absolutely magic. Um, I just felt like, I felt like the little mermaid sometimes, you know, standing on the stage with all these violins whirling around my head. It was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I've never had anything like that in my life. I mean, I've ne- I don't think I've even, I've probably only ever seen the orchestra a few times when, you know, like they're in the pits when you're at the ballet or at the opera. You know, like I don't, I've never seen the MSO. I never sort of, I've never been in the middle of it. You know, like that was just, I mean, for Lance, it must have been even more amazing to hear the music that you've written being played like that and for Ross who'd arranged it. But for me, yeah, for me, I just felt like so it was like hmm, bun- almost like bungee jumping, you know, into something just so far <laughs> out, amazing, like being in a fishbowl of, of magic. Oh, I loved it. Couldn't believe it. I was so lucky. Thank you for that opportunity, guys. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I it was real for me, it was one of the, it felt like everything I'd done up to this point has, has led me to this gig kind of thing. It was really one of those moments for me. Because, you know, I, I remember going to Hamer Hall in, when was it, like 91 or something, in my $20 op shop suit. I think I went in and I was had a ticket just for myself and I I didn't really know anyone in Melbourne at the time and I, I went to see to see John McLaughlin trio at Hamer Hall in my, my pinstripe suit and I was like, this place, you know. It was really like a um, – and then to be there playing, it, um, it was just wild. And, you know, we do our little huddle pep talk things before the gig and kick everyone out of the band room. And I was just saying to the guys, it was on the second night, I, I said um, I said something words to the effect of, look, just take a moment tonight because, you know, it's a, you're, you're surfing an adrenaline wave because it's, it's fairly high pressure and you can't sort of miss anything. But I was like, take a moment to just kind of drink this in and look around and, you know, because who knows when we'll be in the, doing this again. I mean, hopefully we will, but... Um, I really made sure I took a few moments to just soak it up and go, this is so great and so awesome and we're very lucky to be here. And, and yeah, we had a great time. Hopefully we can. We There are plans afoot to take that, that around because all the arrangements are done. And, again, just to, to um, give Ross Irwin another shout-out, he, he arranged all the stuff and did such a magical job. So um, hats off to him. But, yeah, hopefully we will do it again. And, and But if not, you know, I would say that was a real highlight. Yeah, well, we've done it now. I mean, I, I feel like the first night I, I was like, I was sort of awaiting in the water, you know, just I was swimming around in it, just going, okay, just feeling my way around. And then I, I knew that like my mum was coming the next night and some family members and I was like, right, that's it. I've only got one more chance to do this. I'm going to surf it, you know, like I'm going to get up, I'm going to surf my way. I, I'm like, I'm just going to own it. So I was like, yeah, because you really have to give yourself a, t- a talking to because it's like, what if this never happens again? This is the only chance you get to do this. And like, you just appreciate it for what it is. It's huge. And own it, you did. <laughs> <laughs> all the reviews uh, that, that I have read, uh, by all accounts, was that it was an incredible, uh, incredible night. So hopefully, there is an opportunity to to tour it or, um, uh, yeah, yeah, bring it to to other cities around Australia. Lance and Kylie, would you be happy to talk about the the playlist? Sure, for sure. Usually um, on the show uh, we would have a playlist where it's um, 
talking about some of the songs that you might currently like or have grown up with or, or whatever it may be. It's, it's always usually based on just what uh, they're listening to. For this episode, we have done something slightly different. In celebration of the Bamboo's 21st birthday, we have done a playlist of your top picks of the band songs. There are one or two crossovers, but it's mainly a little bit different uh, on both of your lists. I do want to start with um, Keep Me In Mind, which you both picked. Mm-hmm. What was it for both of you about this song that you kind of, that I guess, resonates with you? Well, well, I just, um, I guess it was one of the first songs that, that I wrote together with, with, uh, with Little Lance and, and Ross Irwin as well. So it just, um, and just, it sort of flowed out so quickly and easily. And we play it as the last song a lot of the times. It's just, it's such a powerful song. Um, something about, it, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it just felt like, you know, one of those songs where it, when they come quickly, uh, you know that it's real and uh, something really feels true about it. Um, I don't know really how to explain that, but yeah, and I love I love the backing vocals, even though I do them all. But that's this is the song that I want to have backing vocals for because it's really hard for me actually because I have to sing the song and then I have to sing the backing vocal part. It's kind of like yeah, so this, this song it, 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 I sing it differently live than it than it is done on the record because there's no backing vocal section. So yeah, this one I, I, I it's always got somewhere else that I want it to go. I can always feel it that it it can it can lift and go somewhere else, but that's. Yeah, when we get those backing vocalists and we have a 12-piece band. <laughs> okay. We're going to get them for the album tour. Let's do it. We've got to do it. It's in the budget. It's in the budget. Um, I put this one on because, you know, the Bamboos are known as a great live band and, and all that, And um, but there's this thing that happens with Keep Me In Mind. It's always our last song. We, I try very hard to structure a set list where this song is not last, but it seems impossible. It seems that the whole set list winds its way up and ramps up and has to go with that. You, I, we can't. We we have ended on other songs, but it never feels the same. And the Bamboos live sets, uh, I feel, are always cathartic, and it's it, which is what is worrying me about this whole concept of doing two sets at a gig which is going on at the moment because I'm like we what do we do do we save energy for the second set and both are pretty average or do we do a half-assed first set and then like we I'm I'm genuinely worried about that because by the time we get to keep me in mind it's just it's kind of going off and and I feel like there's unless we can come up with another song that has that sort of energy or has that thing, we will always be ending our sets with Keep Me In Mind. <laughs> yeah. It is a great track. It, it does obviously make sense that that was one that uh, one of the ones that you both picked. Ha- has there ever been a song that I guess almost relating back to the, the first thing we were talking about, has there ever been a song where uh, it's kind of snuck up on you or you kind of thought okay, yeah, this song's okay, and then over time performing it live has kind of grown into a bit of a, a personal favourite. Probably Ain't No Good. I mean, Ain't No Good is, that doesn't seem that, that it, you know, when, when we wrote it, or like when you wrote it, it's like we're just sort of singing it, like it's, a, it's not, not, a, not a big deal. But on stage, 
like the the bass is so great and everything about it is just it just seems to feel good every time I sing it I feel like the audience gets into it it's really snappy and I don't know something about it just the live version of it is just it just makes you go oh yeah because we only haven't played it for years and years and then we played it the other night and it's just it's such a banger yeah I, th- I mean I'm racking my brain to answer that question but that is a great example I I we hadn't we did this thing where we we put it out to to the fans pick four or five songs in the set and we kind of had a poll had a voting thing and this song was num- I think it was number 1 on the on the voting and yeah when we when we played it it felt good I think it's going to go back in good <laughs> that's very exciting <laughs> um Carly one of your picks was hard up from the the new album um, of the same name. For you, do you find that you uh, have a closer relationship with some of the newer songs because they are so fresh or because they are kind of like still, you can, uh, they're still malleable in a way, if that makes sense? Well, mm. No, I think it's more that that because um, because I'm a writer on them and it just it feels like I'm singing my own lyrics. But I also wanted to uh, mention that I got you know I, I annoyed myself in that I think it's become a self it was a self fulfilling prophecy because you know Lance wrote money rains from the sky above and then look what happens and then I write hard up and then we have a lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, everybody. Next time we're going to sing songs about yeah, I've got a I've got a backing vocal section. And got a beach house in the last um, few months. What did I write? I put a beach house in there somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was like it's so. so uh, it was. Yeah, I don't know. What we're, I think it was one of the first kind of songs where, because Lance and I try never to be political for some reason. I don't know. It's just that, I mean, I guess you get to a certain age and you sort of go, well, you have to be a little bit because there's some things that, you know, you get older and you get things piss you off and it's just like, oh, come on, man. So, and then when you're, you know, spending time talking about it a lot with your friends, I suppose it does come out in your art a little bit, you know, and, it, you know, the whole thing about, you know, well, yeah, what have we got? How, how are our kids ever going to buy a house? And how does, you know, like where's the, and my parents are farmers, where's the, you know, they spend millions of dollars on, dollar, dollars on water that they never get. You know, it's like there's so many things that, that, that annoy me and, that it, and it has to end up in your music, I suppose. But um, I, I do really mostly try to write um, positive stuff because I think it's, it's nicer and, and more fun. And, but, yeah, I, I guess it was like a little bit of a soapbox moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very fair. I, I understand that. Um, Lance, for yourself, you had uh, a, a good mix as well of, of older and newer tracks. Eel Oil from uh, one of the first albums. I think it was, I apologise, I'm just going to check. It was from Step It Up. It was, um, yeah. Do you, uh, I guess, looking back, and, and it might be a silly question, are there any points in some of those first few albums where... Um, with, as Kylie said, being so prolific and kind of pumping out so much music, are there ever any times where you listen to those older records and, and thought, oh, if I could rewrite it or if I was doing like a version two these days, would I, you know, change this or would I keep it as this or is there, yeah, any times where you've gone back and listened to an, a, a song and gone, oh, okay, maybe I could work it, rework it or work it differently? Well, I... 
it's see, it was fairly confronting to to fill out this playlist for me because often I don't go back and listen to this stuff. Sometimes I do, but not very often. So to make a playlist of song, you know my favourite bamboo songs was quite a challenge for me. Um, but the reason I chose this one, and sorry, in answer to your question, yes, I when I do, I always am thinking, oh, if only I had have turned the thing up on that, it's too quiet, <laughs> all that stuff I hear. But, I mean, I, I also understand that, you know, it, I, I want to go forward. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do a George Lucas special edition version of the Step It Up <laughs> album. It was, a, it was a moment in time. <laughs> and... Um, I've, I'm always going to make Star Wars references today. So <laughs> the reason I put that on was because that was the first song the Bamboos ever made and recorded. And I remember hearing a DJ friend of mine play it. It was at Revolver not long after I'd had the te- I gave him the test pressing that we'd done and he played it on the dance floor. And I remember I was on the dance floor and I remember sort of being around all these people and he, he was a fairly eclectic DJ um, uh, a friend of mine named Kano, great, amazing DJ, but his his kind of MO was he would go from a hip-hop track to a, a funk track or and he would really mix it up in that way that, that I, really, I really loved it to do that sort of thing. So to hear or to see and witness and feel a dance floor, you know, dance to your record, you know, amongst all these other hard-hitting sonic, you know, records that were sounding great. It was just, I, I had a moment where I was just like, yes, we can do this. It was just like a validating moment where I was like, we can do this. It can work. And it was just, it, so I guess it sort of set me off on a on a trajectory of having confidence that we could do it. Um, but, you know, back then people weren't making records in the funk scene around Melbourne. It was, it was something different and... Um, yeah, the, the the whole DIY approach, it was almost a punk rock type approach to doing it. We recorded it ourselves. We pressed it up ourselves. We, you know, I was taping up boxes of records and sending it out myself. I, I And I really love that, um, that whole thing of doing it like that. But, yeah, that's why I chose that because it was sort of like, you know, th- there was an audacity to what we were doing and, and it was very, it was very sort of underground and, and we didn't really give a damn about whether anyone would listen to it um in terms of in a commercial sense it was just like this is what we do and we're going to do it um we're going to do it hard and well yes no that's very fair i can i can very much understand that um one quick last question as carly pointed out there is a a, we'll somehow work out a way to to share it for the podcast because obviously it's an audible uh, medium, but um, as Kylie pointed out, there is a Yoda in the room with you. You have mentioned Star Wars, um, or, or Grogu, yes. Sorry <laughs> for those who watch The Mandalorian. Um, I know that you guys, uh, the sorry, the bamboos have had uh, luck in the US and in the UK as well. Actually, I think everywhere in terms of syncing, um, having songs synced or used in TV and, and film. Uh, is there any uh, chance we'll see or any opportunity for the bamboos to possibly be um, maybe soundtracking a Mandalorian episode or um, if, if the opportunity arose to have some music synced in, in a show like that, would, uh, would would that be something you guys would go for? Well, I think you know the answer to that question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's a silly question. Uh, that's I, don't, I, don't, 
I yeah. don't understand how it, some kind of funk and soul thing could really. I mean, look, I say that, but when you listen to some of the music in in Jabba's Palace and Return of the Jedi, I mean, the, especially in the, the controversial special editions, it is like a funk and soul track that the band play. I mean, that would be that would be like the marriage of two things in my world that would blow my mind. But I, you know, I don't, it's not, probably not going to happen. But Did you yes, get a photo the answer of that. <laughs> I, got, I need a photo of that. I haven't got my camera with me. Can you please take a photo of that? It's just the best. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, um, I feel like sometimes when when things or ideas are put out to the internet, that they're um, maybe not more likely to happen. But there's the there's the seed has been planted. So hopefully, this will be the beginning, and we'll send it to whoever we need to send it to, and, and put it somewhere where it can hopefully grow from there. Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> exactly. There's the beach house in the song. Hopefully the Grogu <laughs> podcast episode will take you guys to, to a cantina bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kylie and Lance, thank you very much for your time today. The new, bamboo, uh, the new Bamboos record, Hard Up, is out tomorrow. Uh, but, yes, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the anniversary again. Thanks so much, Simon. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Lance Ferguson and Carly Alders for their time. The new Bamboos record, Hard Up, is out tomorrow. We've left links in the show notes to their website if you'd like to pre-order the vinyl. We also want to give a huge shout out to Naz at Six Burrows Media for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of Lance and Carly's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.